You would, uh, while you're being seated, take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, we're going to be in verses 19 through 31. And uh, while you're turning there, we're going to let the uh, children that are three to eight-year-old head out to Discover Church, where they're going to discover something about God and about church with uh, Craig and Susie and also with Leanne and Tony. And if you're uh, visiting with us this morning and uh, you'd like for your children to go, but you haven't checked them in yet, just... uh, Bring them up, check them in with uh, Craig and Susie and them. They're going out this side front door to the left, but at the end of the service, they'll be in the fellowship hall, and the way you get there is you just go out these back doors that you came in, turn to the right, and go all the way down to the end of the hall, and that's where they'll be at. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 31. Have you ever had something in your life that you uh, were doing or expecting and you were a little bit nervous about it? I've Probably every one of us have had that at some point in our life that we're a little bit nervous and I don't know if you're like me, but I know many people are. When you're nervous about something, it, it actually makes you mess up on things. But then the opposite of that is those moments when you just feel totally confident and just have a sense of total assurance that things are going to work out, it's going to be good, and things are going in your favor. You just feel it. You know it. You got that assurance. I had that uh, one of the things that uh, I remember in, uh, when I was in high school playing basketball, and I had uh, a game that we were playing in, and uh, it was down to the last seconds, and uh, I should, shot a shot and got fouled, and the score was tied at that moment. And so uh, when I got fouled, I would get to shoot two free throws. And uh, if I made one of those two, we would win. If not, we'd go into an overtime and play. And so uh, normally that would make you extremely nervous, wouldn't it? That, uh, you know, everybody on your team is looking to you and thinking, all right, if you can sink one of these two baskets, we've won, we've got it. But if you miss it, uh, overtime, we got to go at it again. It would make you very nervous. But I can remember in that particular game, I walked up to the free throw and the referee handed me the basketball and there was just a sense of just total assurance, confidence. Matter of fact, when, I, when he handed me the basketball and I put it in my hands, I thought, I don't hear nothing but net. And so I went through my routine to shoot the uh, free throw, shot it, shoo, nothing but net. We had won the game, but I got another shot. He handed me the basketball, and I'm thinking, all right, I've won the game already. You know, we don't have enough time. They don't have enough time for anything. The time's up. They handed me the basketball, and I'm thinking, this is going to look bad, you know, if you miss the last one, even though you've already won the game. So I went through my routine of dribbling, and in that sense of just total assurance, total confidence, nothing but net. Shot it, nothing but net. The game at the time was up, and so people, of course, they're running on the court, and it was just a sense of joy and excitement of, woohoo! But what was kept going through my mind was, I knew it. When they handed me the basketball, I felt it. I had the confidence. I had the assurance. I just knew there was nothing but net. And those moments like that, now that was, you know, I'm about to turn 57, so that's once in 57 years, you know. Not a lot to brag about, but I thought I'd go ahead and brag about it. Those moments come and they they make you feel good, don't they? When you have just the total assurance and the confidence 
It's all good. You can feel it. And it just brings a sense of joy and peace in your life. Well, that's what the Bible's talking about today as we looked at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 31. As we've been looking at, it's a wonderful life. And what I want to look at this morning is, it's a wonderful life when you have assurance. The assurance that I was talking about when I walked up to that foul line and he handed me the basketball and I just knew it. It was nothing but net. That type of assurance. And so let's look at this. I'm going to read this out of the NIV this morning. As the Apostle Paul was writing to the, to, uh, the Hebrews, the uh, Jewish people, the Israelites. And he says this, Therefore, brothers, some of the uh, NIV, NIV translations will have, and if you've got the app, it says brothers and sisters. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And it's talking about the body of Christ that he gave for us. Verse 21 says, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and here it is, in full assurance. The word that was used there that's translated full assurance, it was translated that way because it meant no doubt about it, totally confident, you can feel it. And so he says in that verse 21, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. I love that word, unswervingly. If you type it in on your phone or a device that does spell check, It'll underline that in red or maybe whatever uh, color yours underlines it in to say, you misspelled it. I remember when I was typing in notes about my message and I typed it in there and it underlined it, you misspelled it. And I thought, uh-uh, it's in there, unswervingly. Meaning, you know, when we think of swerve, we think about swerving to miss something. And that's the expression there that there's no moving from your path, you're lasered on straight forward. And so he said, let us hold unswerving to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The expression that's translated the day there was actually a judicial form. It meant the scheduled day of court of justice. So it's obviously talking about the day the Lord will return. Now in verse 26 it says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and who has treated the unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, when you look at the 
consumption of those verses of 19 through 31, and you see the first part about talks about the confidence of coming into the holy of holies because we have interest through Jesus Christ who gave his life and his blood for us. And then you come to the point of the full assurance that it talks about. And then you come to this end and it says, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God or the living God. It's quite a spectrum here, isn't it? But it's addressing the reality. You know, sometimes you can't understand the fullness of something until you see the good and the bad of it, can't you? And see the broad spectrum that is being considered here. And that's kind of what the Apostle Paul is here. He's trying to bring us to the point of seeing it's a wonderful life if you have assurance, this full assurance that he's talking about. But you got to understand that if you don't have it, it is a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. So as we look at these scriptures this morning, and if you got your Bible app open, you got to think of this thought, all right? What makes life wonderful and more enjoyable? What is this, the assurance that the Apostle Paul is talking about, the pastor is talking about this morning, that makes the life for the Christian so wonderful and enjoyable? And the first thing that makes our life wonderful and enjoyable is when we know that your sins are covered in the blood of Christ. When you have that assurance that you know that your sins are covered in the blood of Christ, which means your sins are forgiven. The Bible in these scriptures that I read addresses in verses 19, 20 and verse 29 talks about the blood of Christ. And in verse 29, who says, who has sanctified us. So it's letting us know that as we're coming to the Lord with confidence and this full assurance, it's only when you know that your sins have been covered in the blood of Christ. And the Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. Now, life is wonderful when you know that you know that you know that you know with total assurance that you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and He has applied His blood to every sin you've ever committed and every sin that you will ever commit in the future. It's a one-time application that covers it all. Now, for a person to live out their life, and I have known people that have being unsure where they are in their relationship with the Lord, and it creates a total unrest. And they can have moments of enjoyable, enjoyable moments in their life, but it comes right back down to it. You know, the Lord has a way through His Spirit, even that when we have high moments in our life and enjoyable moments, if we're not in a right relationship with Him, He brings us back to that reality. Matter of fact, if someone is sitting in here this morning, and you're not totally confident and you know that you know that you know that your sins have been covered by the blood of Christ, that you've asked Him to forgive you of your sins and that everything is right in your relationship with Him, even in this moment that I'm talking, there's a sense of uncomfortableness in you. And you know why? It's not just because you're thinking, oh, and things start flooding your mind. It's because the Holy Spirit is convicting us. You know why the Holy Spirit does that? Because the Lord wants us to have that full assurance. I have been with various people and I've been with people who have just been early on in attending church to I've been with people who have pastored for years and years 
and see them come to the reality, I don't know for sure, but I got to know. And then come to that assurance, and then they want to tell everybody. There was a gentleman that I won't mention his name that had pastored for several years, and he was in a revival service. And he suddenly felt the conviction, I'm not 100% sure. I don't know that I know that I know that I know that all my sins have been covered by the blood of Christ and that I've totally got everything right. And then he was in such deep conviction, he couldn't leave until he nailed it down that day. And then after he nailed it down, he went to church after church after church after church telling people the message, man, life is wonderful when you know that you know that you know. That's why God's Spirit convicts us. He doesn't want us to leave with confusion or, or live our life with uncertainty. Even though we can go through those moments of, okay, it's off my mind right now. God brings it back to mind and brings us back into full circle. But you can have a wonderful life, an enjoyable life, when you know that your sins are covered under the blood of Christ. And the Bible says all it takes is just with a sincere heart to ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins and ask Him to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Does that mean that you'll be perfect from then on out? No, we all mess up. We all make mistakes. But the Lord is ready to hear us. And the Bible, as I said, it says that we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. And to cleanse us of all that unrighteousness. And so for those of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning. But if you're here today knowing that you have been saved. That you've asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins. You have that total confidence you know there's a sense of relief. I don't know how many people I've been with in altars before that have made comments like this, that when they came down and they nailed down their salvation and they knew that they got it all right, say things like, I feel like a ton of bricks has been lifted off of me. I feel like a load has been lifted. I feel so free and refreshed. You know why? Because you have that total confidence and assurance so life is wonderful when your sins are covered in the blood of Christ and you have that knowledge that I know my sins are forgiven. But you also have a more wonderful life and a more enjoyable life when you know your sins are cleared from your own conscience. And that clearing of sin from your own conscience is that you know that your sins have been forsaken. If you look at verse 22 in the scripture that I just read, the Bible said, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. A guilty conscience. You see, the guilty conscience, and for some of you may have thought, you know, I, I've, I've wondered, you know, before if I saved or not, you know, and the guilty conscience. But you know, the guilty conscience is when you know that you're saved, but you're living in sin. Matter of fact, we'll see through this scripture, that's what the Lord is addressing in, the, in these scriptures about this consciousness and the sinfulness in our life. You see, you can't, you can have accepted Christ as your personal Savior. If you're listening, say amen. amen. You can have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and asked Him to forgive you of your sins and been covered in the blood of Christ. But you can continually live in sin and you will have a guilty or a pricked conscience. And it takes away the joy of your life. Because a Christian has the Holy Spirit living in them and the Bible tells us that one of the works of the Holy Spirit and one of the responsibilities of the Holy Spirit of God is to convict us when we are in sin. And we do sin, but the Lord 
continually convicts us to bring us out of that sin. And a person cannot. You can be a Christian, be saved, have your name on the church roll, being one of the founding members, but if you're living in sin in your life, your conscience is going to be feeling a sense of guilt and shame because the Holy Spirit convicts us of that. And so how can you feel a sense of enjoyment in life and have a wonderful, fulfilled life when you know that your conscience is being convicted? Now, understanding those two principles of your sins being covered in the blood of Christ and your sins cleared from a guilty conscience, life suddenly makes a dramatic explanation in these scriptures because it lets us know that life is dreadful when you don't have this assurance. Because the Bible tells us in verses 30 through 31 that the Lord will judge His people. In verses 30 through 31, it doesn't just say the Lord will judge people. He says He'll judge His people. And I don't think that was by accident. There are things that the Scriptures identify those who are already Christians very clearly. Matter of fact, as uh, you know, one of the verses that people will many times pray and read through when we're praying for revival is in 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, If my people who are called by my name... And uh, you know, when you read that, you can say, oh, all he had to do is just say, if my people... He didn't have to say, who are called by my name. No, the Lord knows we're a little bit hard to get our minds thinking sometimes. And so he said, If my people who are called by my name, Christians will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. That verse is pretty clear, isn't it? God's saying, I'm not looking for the people who are lost sinners. I'm looking for the people who are my people, who are Christians, who are called by my name. They're the ones who bring revival. Here the Scriptures are letting us know that in verses 30 through 31 that God is looking at and addressing people who are Christians, yet they are living in sin. And He's letting us know that life is dreadful. Not wonderful, but dreadful. Because it says that the Lord will judge His people. And then it says it is a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Now, when you first read that, you think, whoa, I'm kind of on an emotional roller coaster. It's a wonderful life and we have this confidence and this full assurance. And then we come to this point of it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God's trying to wake up Christians to realize you can't be a Christian and live in sin and think everything's okay. You can't have the joy and the happiness and the wonderful life that God wants us to have. And when we deliberately, I want you to look at uh, verse 26. It says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left. Now, what is the Lord addressing there, this deliberately? If you have some translation, it says, if we uh, keep on sinning willfully. And the word uh, deliberately there is the word that means to be intentional. To willfully do it. To do something on purpose. Now, the, to kind of understand that, the Lord is not saying that there's no forgiveness or there's no more, uh, as the Scripture says here, there is uh, no sacrifice for sin is left. What He is addressing not is just a sin that uh, we may do 
in our life at a one-time moment, but he's talking about an ongoing sin. He's trying to address Christians who are deliberately, willfully, and intentionally living in some sinful acts in their life. To kind of get you to understand that, if let's say that you men who are married, you're at home, you're sitting on the couch, your wife has been shopping, she's come home, you're watching the football game, you say, hey, to her maybe. She goes into a new room, you're watching TV, and she steps into the living room, and she's got a new outfit on, and she comes in, and she says... Hey, sweetheart, does this make me look fat? And you go, no. But you're thinking, that don't look good on you. You just lied, right? You just lied. Is lying a sin? Yes. But it wasn't something that you were purposely, intentionally, willfully continuing on in. At that moment, you got called off guard. And you didn't want to say, Woo, that makes you look fatter than you normally are. You don't want to say something stupid like that. So you went ahead and lied and sinned. Will the Lord forgive you? Absolutely. I don't know if your wife will, but... But this deliberately keeping on sinning, you're willfully, intentionally, purposely sinning, the, what the Lord is addressing in the wording that is used in the Greek language is a word that is beyond that moment of being caught off guard and committing a sin and maybe telling a lie at that moment, even though it's still a sin. What He's addressing here is that maybe if you've gone on the internet and you've learned that pornography this week and then you go back and you look at it next week and God's convicting you about it, but you go back the next week and you look at it, that's the deliberately that He's talking about there that ongoing sin in your life. You may have conviction about it, but you're continuing on. It's a willful decision. Now, it's not that you're saying, okay, I'm going to do it no matter what, but you keep staying in it. You understand what I'm saying? Deliberately, intentionally, you're continuing on. It's not that moment of sin where maybe you told a lie or maybe you did something that you shouldn't have, but it's when it's an ongoing part of your life. And so the Lord is letting us know that He will judge His people and it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God when there is sin that way in your life. And when we are deliberately, willfully, and intentionally sinning as a child of God, the Bible says, you better have a fearful expectation of judgment. And it uses two very powerful expressions in verse 29. I want you to look at verse 29 if you would with me. Because in verse 29 it says this, how much more severely, and this is after he had just addressed the fact that in the days of Moses, that if someone committed a crime or a sin, if just one person was a witness to them, then it's your word against their word. But if there were two or three witnesses, then you would be considered convicted because there were two or three that were witnesses against you. And verse 29 says, how much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has, here's the first thing, trampled the Son of God. You see, when we deliberate, if you're a Christian, and I'm a Christian, and we are allowing sin to be ongoing in our life, whether it's looking at pornography, or whether you've got an affair with somebody, or whether you're cheating on your taxes, or whether you're cheating in your business, or whether you're stealing from your employer, or whatever sin may be going on in your life, and it's continuing to go on, it says that we are trampling on the Son of God. And it not only says that we are trampling on the Son of God, 
but it says, says who, who has treated as a holy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the spirit of grace. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read those two things that could cause me, if I've got continual deliberate sin in my life and that I am facing the judgment of the Lord and it's expressed as I am trampling on the Son of God and I have insulted the Spirit of grace? Man, that's, a, that's a right in my face. So if, if I'm one of those examples, if I'm, I'm getting on the internet and I'm looking at pornography this week or I'm getting on my phone and I'm looking at pornography and okay, I'm not going to do that no more. And then the next week I'm doing the same thing. I'm trampling on the Son of God. I'm insulting the Spirit of grace. What does it mean I'm trampling on the Son of God? I am taking what the Lord has done for me and I'm just stomping on it. It's kind of like if you've ever done something for somebody or given somebody something, or maybe you've done something special for somebody and then they just treat it haphazardly and you think, that's the way you're going to treat me for doing that for you? That's kind of the expression of that you've trampled on the Son of God. I died for your sins and you're just going to stomp on me by looking at pornography or having an affair or cheating or stealing or continuing to live in the sin in your life. You are trampling on what Christ has done for you. Remember, we're talking to the Christians. And then it says you have insulted the Spirit of grace. The Spirit of grace, God, the Bible tells us that God gives us grace. But the Apostle Paul said, well, should we sin more that Grace would abound more. And he said, God forbid. We are insulting God's grace by saying, well, God forgave me once, He'll forgive me again. That's an insult. Trampling on God and insulting His grace. When it's there as a gift that is to be received and cherished. His grace and His mercy, His love and His forgiveness. And you look at that and you think, Hey, the, the Bible tells us we can come with confidence and have full assurance if we know that our sins are covered and we know that our sins have been cleared from our conscience. But it's a dreadful thing. And we must fear the expectation of God's judgment if we are trampling on the Son of God and insulting God's grace by continuing to live in sin. So life is either wonderful or dreadful depending on how we deal with our faith and sin that comes in our life. And understand, we all deal with sin, but it's what we're going to do with it and what we're going to do with our faith. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, am I going to hold unswervingly to the hope that I profess, to my faith? Am I going to hold on to it and live by it? Knowing I'm not perfect, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to trample on the Lord and I'm not going to insult His Spirit of grace by continuing to live in sin, thinking He'll forgive me. Now I'm going to hold on swervingly. You see, we're making a choice of either holding on to our faith and our profession and our hope, or we are deliberately continuing to sin. And you can't do both. It's one or the other. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Do you have the assurance this morning? Do you feel that sense of enjoyment? and the life that is abundant that God wants you to have, because it's a wonderful life when you have that assurance that you know that your sins have been covered in the blood of Christ and that your sins are cleared from your conscience. 
You've been forgiven and you've forsaken your sins. That doesn't mean that sin won't continue to come up and tempt you and maybe you might even fall and stumble along the way, but you're not going to live in it. You're going to come out of it. The Bible says it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God when you don't know that you know that you know. When you're trampling on the Son of God and insulting His grace. This morning, I want you to know that God wants you to have a wonderful life. To have that assurance, to have that confidence that He describes, that full assurance. You know, the Bible tells us that in these Scriptures that you're an enemy with God when you're living in sin. James 4.4 4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God and anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God? In Romans 8, it says, We're either controlled by our own desires or controlled by the spirit of life and peace. Do you have that full assurance this morning? Man, it's a wonderful life. You know what? I, I sometimes feel like the Apostle Paul, that I'm chief among sinners, and that's not a bragging thing. That's a shameful thing. I see myself stumble and fall, and I do pick myself back up, and I ask for God's forgiveness. And I ask Him to give me strength to overcome those temptations and those failures. And so I have assurance. My conscience is clear. My sins are covered. And I'm striving that when I do fall, that ask the Lord to give me strength to help going on. I have assurance that I can stand before the Lord knowing that I haven't been perfect. But I do know that I've tried to keep things clear with Him and walk with Him. Do you have that assurance this morning? that everything's covered in the blood of Christ, that your conscience is clear, that you just have that sense of, ah, I'm at peace in my mind and I'm at peace with the Lord. And you know you're going to stumble and fall, but you're going to ask the Lord to forgive you and you keep moving on because you're not going to deliberately keep on sinning. And the same thing over and over because you know the Lord's going to give you victory. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your personal Savior, you've never been covered in the blood of Christ, or maybe you're unsure of your salvation, maybe you need to nail it down today and say, I'm tired of just feeling this uneasy feeling, this uncomfortableness. I'm tired of knowing that, that I'm not saved. Would you pray this prayer? Whether you've never accepted Christ your Savior, or maybe you're just not sure everything, that you've done everything that you need to do. It's not about doing everything, but it's knowing that you know that you know that you've got everything covered in the blood of Christ. If that's your need in your life this morning, would you pray this prayer right where you're at and say, Dear Lord, I know that I've sinned, but today I want to know all my sins are covered in your blood. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse my heart, and put me in a right relationship with you. And Lord, help me to walk with a clear conscience. That's the type of assurance I want. If you pray that prayer, whether it's the first time or a rededication or maybe just nailing down your salvation, I want to remember you in my prayers. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer when nobody's looking around but me. You prayed that prayer with me. Thank you. Maybe this morning, maybe you know that you're a Christian, but 
there's been some sin in your life that keeps coming up. You really haven't got the victory over it, but you want the victory over it. And you want me to pray for you. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Yes. Yes, thank you. Lord, I come to you this morning. And God, I thank you, Lord, that we can have a wonderful life when we got all the assurance. And Lord, I just thank you, God, for those who have made some decisions today. And Lord, I pray that you'd be real in their life. And Lord, that uh, you would just give them that peace and that assurance to know that everything's clear with you. Lord, uh, what a wonderful time during this Christmas season of, of hope and peace and love and joy. Lord, to uh, know that everything's right with you and that all of our sins are covered and the load is lifted. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that for those who raised their hands that said that they're struggling with some things in their life, Lord, I pray that you give them the victory. And, Lord, I pray that they leave here today different than when they came. And, Lord, for those that uh, know that they're saved and know that their sins have been covered and know that they're not allowing anything to be a continual part of their sin, Lord, I pray that their joy and their sense of peace and happiness and love will just be manifested even greater today to know that they can come before the throne of grace with confidence and full assurance. Lord, that as they walk through this day, they've got their spirit with you ministering to them, refreshing them. Lord, we just love you. And there's nothing, nothing in this world that is more assuring and peaceful than knowing we're in a right relationship with you. And Lord, we're going to give you the thanks and praise for all that you do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.